Hey everybody, since we are either starting a new series or reading a standalone book, I am jumping in to remind you what the rules are for this podcast. First rule is no real people stories. That means that any details from our own lives are merely anecdotal, and we are not reading any books that depict real people as their characters in any way or are based on historical events. Second rule is that we are judging everything off of how the author treats characters and what they put them through. We are not judging the accuracy of the trauma, the accuracy of any actual conditions that may be portrayed, or the authenticity of a character's reaction to that trauma or that particular condition. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The hosts are not trained professionals, and their opinions come from personal experience, not professional training. In this episode, we discuss fictional depictions of trauma and violence that may not be suitable for all listeners, so please take care of yourselves. Specific content warnings for each episode can be found in the show notes. Events in the media are discussed in approximate order of escalation. This episode contains spoilers. Thank you to Amira and Shannon for the suggestion for our series this week. This week we are reviewing The Hunger Games, book one by Suzanne Collins. In this book, Katniss has to fight to survive at home and in the arena against everything the capital can throw at her. Hi, I'm Nicole. And I'm Robin. And this is Books That Burn. And we are launching straight into our factions for The Hunger Games. Uh, We have Katniss, Peeta, Gail, Haymitch, Rue, and Katniss and Rue's mother. We have the residents of District 12, President Snow, the residents of the Capitol, and in this we don't really have residents from any other districts. Uh, Yeah, now that we're talking about anyway. Yeah, now that we're yeah, they are there. There are 11 other districts. For the minor character spotlight, we are talking about Katniss's mom. I would love to say what her name is, but she <laughs> but doesn't get one. And when I realized this and tried to search the internet to see if I just didn't remember it, I found something about the actress from the movie saying she made one up. So she really, really doesn't have a name doesn't have a first name talking about widowhood she grew up as almost as wealthy as you can be in district 12 without being in the bureaucracy uh well well off it seems like and left her family to marry a poor minor and then He dies, and she's got two kids, and she goes into this depression where she just can't move. She is so unable to function that she is starving, and her children are starving. And we are going to talk more about starving later. Um, But as it relates to, to the mom, she... One thing that I really, really appreciate in this characterization of her depression and everything is that when we learn about it, it's not wallowing in ideation, because obviously Katniss is not having her mom's ideation. Uh, 
But also by the time we see her, she is doing what she can to help the other people who for very similar reasons are also depressed in District 12, because they also have family dying in mining accidents, accidents and don't have enough food. And because she had that apothecary training, she is giving them what she wishes she'd had the resources at the time to give herself. And I, I really like that. Yeah, that's it's really cool. And it's really good framing. And I also think I think that the book gives her mother more credit than Katniss does. Mm -hmm. There's very much a sense of like Katniss really honestly, and I realize that this is not a topic about Katniss, but Katniss is the point of view here. Uh, th this is, th there really is a, a framing from Katniss where she honestly feels like her mom just left, mm -hmm. died, abandoned them, gave up, whatever, when her dad died. And she really feels like, like they were, like they were abandoned by their mom she and spends the rest also, of the series. And then also their mom was now another mouth that she had to figure out how to feed. Yeah. And she spends the rest of the series worried that her mom is going to go away again and still need to be fed. Yeah. And so it, it's interesting because her mom really has this really cool narrative, this really cool sto story. And I, I mean cool not as in a, oh, wow, look at this, but as in a, like, like she had this thing that really literally did almost kill her and by extension would have killed her children but her own inability would have killed her children and yeah. she took it and said you know what actually i'm gonna use the information and training and knowledge that i already had and i'm gonna keep myself going and also help other people and it's just it, it's done in such a quiet background way but also, like, the difference between – I know we're only talking about book one, but as, we, we, as we've as we read the series, I know I was thinking about it, thinking about this topic. The, the difference between her mom's portrayal of direct visuals of what she's doing and how she's doing it and what's going on from book one all the way till the end of book three is this stunning character growth. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool. And it's the kind of thing where, like, I honestly, I will, for reasons we'll get into in a later topic, I will probably not read this series again. Yeah. But if I were going to, I would like to read almost, I guess, like a short story that is just the mom's character growth. I would, I, I would love to see it. It doesn't even have to be, like, her point of view. It could just be, like, a bird's eye view as she goes from this very, 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 very non-functional, barely eating, relying on her 12-year-old to hunt and feed them, and oh, has been you're going, for years. You're like going this, before the book starts, because she's not, Katniss is more than 12 when it starts. Is she? Yeah, because uh, the whole thing is that Prue is, sorry, oh. that Rue, the whole thing is that Rue <laughs> Rue is, is 12 Well, now. yeah, but, but starting from when her dad died. Yes. And yeah. she was still, she was still 11. And so they couldn't sign up for the Tesserae. Right. Because we get, we get Katniss's perspective on things and how her mom was back, like even starting then. Yeah. Even if I, the I was book just clarifying. doesn't start then, like the story definitely does start then. 
I was just clarifying that you would want this hypothetical short story to go oh, back yes, that yes, far. Yes. I honestly, I would love to have it. I would love to have this hypothetical short story start when the mom is training as an apothecary. Mm. And then mm-hmm. meets this person and moves away from a more privileged lifestyle to be with this person and has children and still has this knowledge and then loses that person that she gave up pretty much everything in her life for mm-hmm. and then is at the at the whim and mercy of her her then preteen child trying to feed them and keep them functional and alive and then slowly you know building back up and having a business and starting to care for people again and then ending this series and i'm not going to spoil how she is at the end of the series but ending the series just as a fully functional human being in a way that like she's absolutely not in this book Mm -hmm. i don't know i i think that i think that she has this really cool narrative and i don't want to say it's overshadowed by katniss's low opinion of her but i do want to i i do think that it is very interesting as a reading it because both things are there. Both this very cool, almost triumphant character arc, and also her daughter's low, low, low opinion of her, and just yeah, it's not it, like she it, thinks both. badly of her. It's not like she, oh, she doesn't no, think she badly does. of her. Well, okay, <laughs> she, she she literally she thinks of her as a burden and also useless. She thinks I think awfully I was, of her. I think the book three characterization stuck much more in my head because she has much better thoughts about her by then. But Oh, yeah. But in book one, no. She, in book one, she literally thinks of it as you are useless and also I'm still feeding you. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. that's it. There, There's no, there isn't even like a, a positive relationship warmth or compassion or tenderness or it's all very, very just you are another mouth to feed and I hate you because you couldn't have fed me ever. Oh, that's true. There's no, there's no dynamic, no, like there's no she, positive relationship dynamic, uh, even a little bit in book. One. I, I was thinking that there was because like, there's all kinds of positive thoughts about how the mom taught, uh, Rue to do a thing. <sighs> I mean, I guess, wait, do I have the names right? Who've been saying, I think you flipped them. Rue is not her sister. Prue is ah. her sister. <laughs> it's okay. Nope, because Prue is not. Prue is not. I kept mixing them up. Yeah. Dang it. All right. So for everyone listening to <laughs> this, Prim. Prim is the sister's name. Primrose. Yeah. Yes. I'm sorry that I've been saying Rue. We typed it in wrong. <laughs> it's Prim. <laughs> no no need to email us. We figured it out. <laughs> you yeah. should edit. You should take no. me just saying Prim nope. and edit nope. that in nope. over every time I said Rue. Nope. 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 <laughs> nope. Dang it. Okay. <laughs> no. No. Right. So, th- yeah, there's, there's moments where... There's moments where her mom is characterized in book one as being helpful toward her sister. 
But as far as like, but there's no relationship between them that's anything positive. Like yeah. we we almost get the impression. I don't think. I mean, if any book like this would be to have this line, I'm it would be this one. But we we almost get the impression that Katniss would rather just not have to even bother feeding her mother. Like if she could just feed her and her sister, then they would be so much better off. And her because she talks about how her mom just takes up food. Like that is a thing that she says. And I had been thinking that. I had been thinking that there were more positive thoughts because I had been mixing them up with the positive thoughts about how much Prim was learning to do the thing that their mother was doing. Yeah, like there's a lot of there's a lot of positivity for for Prim, Prim. learning skills that she wishes her mother had never abandoned. Yeah. There's a lot of that. <laughs> but but again, like that's this huge negative indictment on their mom that's not a positive thing about the mom mm-hmm. even if the mom is the one teaching her sister so talking about katniss and faking a relationship to be clear in a technical sense they have a relationship but it is. I mean, we're, we're they mean, have, they're faking a romantic relationship. Yes, they're faking a romantic relationship. They're heavily implying, but not actually having a sexual one. Um, with stuff like um sleeping together in the train car overnight, like different things that make everyone think that they're doing more. Yeah. Um, let alone what I'm going to call the the lie. <laughs> later on (laughs) the lie that heavily implies things um mentioning that that is a thing i think here is important we don't need to delve into that particular thing because it's not in this book it's in one of the later ones yeah but because Peta has real feelings for her as far as we can tell um she's got kind of this like oh, he loves me, do I feel anything for him or not? She's not sure how she feels about Gail. Gail's acting like they Gail were together being, and she cheated on him. Yeah, Gail is being awful and possessive and just all-out toxic in just really bad ways <laughs> in general. Yeah. So and and hand, also, also like the with Gail's whole possessiveness, th- with Gail's whole possessiveness thing, you would think that Gail, of all people, would understand the doing this thing to survive. Yeah, that's like their whole dynamic. That's like the whole reason that the two of them are as close as they are is because the two of them together are going out and. And illegally gathering food to survive. That's his, that's their whole thing. And but also, but also, Gail has this time, possessiveness about Katniss, and it's like, ugh. But also, in a sense, she left to go 
hunt with somebody else. Like, I know that sounds no, weird, and no, I'm not she trying didn't. to... She was well, kidnapped. No, but, she was kidnapped but, and then didn't refuse to survive. No, but but what Gale's seeing on the screen, hypothetically, because we don't get his perspective on it, what yeah. he's seeing in this, like, package, like, love story, and she's saying things about having already liked him, and Peta is saying and probably not lying about having loved her for a very long time and especially since they had a more casual relationship i we don't get enough information to know whether gail would have a real reason to think that maybe she had also been hanging out with Peta this entire time not that that would justify it like this this whole thing is like really really terrible yeah i just really like gail and want to (laughs) you just don't want him to be (sighs) i i just i just want to say that he is also in pain and being hurt and they shouldn't be each other's enemies but in this book it creates a lot of stress and toxicity because there's so much weight placed on a romantic relationship that it feels like the thing is happening where Gail thinks if she has a romance, that means they can't have their platonic thing complicated when he indicates that he would like a romantic thing. That's yeah. my, that's my spiel there. Yeah. I get, I get, I just, I really just, I don't know, react to, oh, um, t- t- Treating I, your significant other like they can't have a relationship well, it's of more than some that. kind without you is bad. Is, is bad and on top already. of that, treating not your significant other yes. like they can't have a relationship without you is even worse. Yes. That's that's the thing that is like like they're not they they're like she and Gail are not together and have never been together and were never together at all. And Yeah. And then he's che- he's treating her like she like they have been for a long time, and also she's betraying that somehow. But she's not, and and so there's just this I don't know. It's just the worst of both worlds um, yeah. for her. And this with, is why with him. This but, is okay, why so the romantic, sexual, and platonic axes are different and need to all be given <laughs> important to be weight different. Yeah. and treated like they're different, but yeah. all really important. And them getting all muddled together is just not okay. It's not okay. And, and also, so PETA, there's this whole, yes. there's this whole thing where, like, okay, I understand why. Hey, Mitch and Peta didn't tell Katniss that this was going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. Survival-wise, I understand why that was the tactical ploy. But if they're going to do that, Peta has to be the person to understand that Katniss... Oh, that she doesn't actually... That right. Katniss is, is fully able to fake it to survive. And the yeah. fact, the fact that that was not understood by PETA. Hamish clearly is, understood. Hamish understood. Hamish was, was fine. PETA didn't understand. 
And Peta was the instigator from a like stunt stage projection point of view. For anyone who didn't read these books and doesn't know what we're talking about, (laughs) Peta surprised Katniss by while he was being interviewed and she was watching announcing that he had loved her for a very long time and was currently in love with her and she was so so shocked that on camera she by being genuinely shocked did a reaction that made it look like she was excited and surprised potentially it's hard to judge from the the text but that's certainly how it was that's how it was treated (laughs) and so Peta's been surpri- surprises her with this. Out of nowhere, they have to pretend to genuinely be building a romance in order to survive. And then he spends the rest of the trilogy hurt and upset that maybe she didn't also genuinely love him the whole time and doesn't really definitely want to be with him. Yeah, like he, his actions on stage regardless of whose idea it was or why his actions on stage forced her to either pretend to be in love with him and want him or die it's like it's literally assuming the characters who maybe play around with a thing on a reality show are then going to get married and be together for the rest of their lives that's literally what's expected of them and he is expecting it to be real too because yeah, like he in this bought world into, the reality show never ends. He bought he bought into his own ploy. Yeah. And and the thing is like he bought into his own ploy and has no self-awareness of that. Like okay. <laughs> I don't know if this is a if this is a a popular or unpopular opinion or what I honestly mm-hmm. feel like, okay, first off, I think the book was written really well the way it is. And I think that if this thing that I'm going to say next would have happened, it would not have been the same book. I'm not thinking that this would have been better. It's just different. I okay. think characterization wise, if Peta and Gail had been flipped in which part of the story they were, this would have been a very positive, healthy dynamic. What do you mean? Like, if she had ended up on the Hunger Games with the person she'd been hunting with for years? Or what sense? Uh, kind of. If okay. if she and Peta had not necessarily been hunting partners, but had a, like, growing, real relationship, growing up together, relying on each other. And again, not necessarily hunting for food, because that would have made Peta a very different character. But, right. like, say... Let's say Katniss hunting in the woods and trading with Peta for for bread. Okay, if they had developed a relationship that right. way. If they had had a positive platonic relationship that direction, and then Peta also still has a crush on her, and then maybe they develop into something more. And then Gail, who is also a hunter for real and Katniss had been Hunger Games people and then forced into a fake relationship in the Hunger Games to survive. I think okay. that that Gail, Hamish, and uh, 
Katniss would have all been on the same page and said, all right, we are surviving. We're going to get ourselves through this. We're going to live. We're going to go home. And I never have to talk to you again, except to fake this in front of the cameras. Okay, bye. And then she and Peter could have gone and have just like this healthy budding romance. And Peter would have seen what happened on screen and not just decided she was cheating. Instead, they would have like, actually probably had a real conversation about it. And when Katniss said, we did it to survive, look at me, I'm alive. And I came back to you because I didn't blow my cover. Peter would have been hurt, probably. But Peter would not have been hurt and given her the silent treatment and jeopardized other people's survival to do so. Instead, it would have been, oh, this sucks. And then they would have probably actually worked through it. But that would have been a much healthier book. And this book is not about healthy relationships. Nope. So this book is not about, <laughs> no one in this book is healthy. Just no one. No, no at all. But also and like, but, were, I, but I do think that that would have been an interesting flip because I think that in the Hunger Games, everyone in their team would have been on board if that had been the characters that had been in that situation. Also, like so. this dystopia is so extreme and terrible and overbearing and all pervasive that if anyone in here is totally fine <laughs> something is wrong just or they die or they die and we don't get to find out what was wrong other than that they died <laughs> yeah like yeah yeah um so are you ready for our big topic for this week all right moving on to our third topic food starvation and food insecurity um just have a a trigger warning for this discussion because it's we're this is a topic where literally describing it might be triggering for some people. Please take care of yourselves. It's called The Hunger Games. <laughs> and that theme is through the entire series. We are focusing on how it shows up in book one. So, uh, for Katniss, The Hunger Games started as soon as she was born. And... The, I think maybe the cruelest trick in the book is pretending like the games are only once a year and only for those 24 children. It's not. It's everybody. It's all the time. And as, as book one goes on, Katniss spends more time in the arena thinking about food, thinking about how she's going to get food, thinking about how she doesn't have enough, thinking about how she needs water, thinking about how she's thirsty, then she does actually worrying about fighting or fighting other tributes. Anything to add to that? I would argue that thinking about food is combat in that situation. Right. Because they're but all in like a 24-sided war of attrition. Oh, sure. No, it's... Um, but yeah, she's not... She's thinking defensively, not offensively. Yep. And even her... A, a, a lot of her offensive maneuvers are food-based. Yeah. Either acquiring um, it for herself or taking it away from someone else. 
My only pushback is that mainly is book two, but as a note for the uh, series. Uh, no, it's book one. Mm. It is. The, the big thing where she messes with people's food is book two. I mean, but, there's, there's, but there other is some big, of that. there's other big things also. What was the big one in book one? It has slipped my mind. Big one in book one, she literally leaves Rue to go get them food. Oh. She, okay. she, oh, she grabs backpacks, she swipes things, she. Oh, so uh, blow, blowing hunts, up everyone's just, food happens twice. I forgot. Yeah. Um, no, okay. no, she doesn't blow it up, but she goes in and like, she goes back to scavenge and to find food. Yeah. Yeah. But in in this game, when the resources are, are scarce, that she has food means that other people don't and means that she is more likely to live and they are more likely to die. And I think my point stands that she spends way more time oh, yeah. focusing no, on that than on actual physical combat. Oh, absolutely. She is she is more worried about just not starving to death than she is about engaging in hand-to-hand combat with people unless they force her to. Also, side note, when we say Rue, we do actually mean Rue this time because we are in the arena. <sighs> okay, yes. Um... So that's that's actually something else that plays into this this food defensiveness. Katniss probably would have been better off functionally, survivally, tactically, strategically by not teaming up with Rue. Mm-hmm. They put themselves in jeopardy and she puts herself in added danger by it being two of them when one of them is a a child who very, very, very much resembles her sister, Primrose. And these two characters are so conflated together in Katniss's mind, and it's portrayed in that book, that, like, she sacrifices her own food and her own resources to keep Rue safe. Also in the narrative, they're conflated so often that if you heard our first segment, it was me saying Rue the whole time when I meant Prim. Yeah, like they're they're not even the same name, but the characters are are so com- they're just they're just conflated and compared and not even contrasted, only compared so much. Half the time when I try to talk about these books, I end up just saying Prue, which is neither of their names. I think I did that a couple times in segment one, actually. Yeah, when I was trying to correct you, I said Prue because I couldn't which remember not, Prim. <laughs> yeah, which is literally nothing. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so let's let's talk about some ways in which this, particularly the first book, but this series, portrays food hoarding and food defensiveness. So, um, for just a quick side note for those who don't know and don't know that you can Google these terms separately, food defensiveness is specifically behaviors that come from feeling like your food is always at risk of being lost or gone and you feel like you can never get more again like it's not a it's not a logical feeling it's not a like realistically especially if you live in our modern world as i'm assuming all of our listeners do i'm assuming no one is traveling time traveling from the paleolithic era Hi to our uh, listeners from 2400. Glad the podcast is still going. Hope you like it. How's your food situation? No, <laughs> uh, no, but so, so food defensiveness is not looking at something and saying, I only have three apples left 
and I will have to get more. Food defensiveness is looking at 12 apples and saying, I can't eat any of these because once they're gone, these are the only 12 apples in the universe and they're, they'll be, uh, they'll be gone forever and apples are the only food left. And once I eat these at 12 apples, I will die. And so you do one of two things. You either don't eat any apples, even when you need to, because you need to live by eating, or you eat all of them because you know they're going to rot. And so you just try and cram as many nutrients into you as you can because you you feel like when that runs out, there will be no more and you will die. And this is why I channel my food defensiveness into canned goods, because <laughs> it is as illogical, but at least it'll be okay and they will still be there. Uh, yeah, I haul so the food, same. I haul <laughs> food like this food. topic is very personal for both of us. I mm -hmm. hauled the same four cans of pineapples around for all of my bachelor's degree. Oh, Jesus. I didn't and know for that. an additional year after that, I was just like, I am never out of food because I have these four cans of pineapple <laughs> that I am definitely going to definitely eat someday. Definitely eat eventually someday. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so we, we may be glib, but like this, <laughs> this one is a we're, very we're, close topic for both of us. Yeah. We're being intentionally more frivolous or more and not light. frivolous and light, light tone because we have to. So, and I want to be clear, food defensiveness is different from starvation. Starvation is a physical thing that your body is going through. Food defensiveness is a mental thing that you can be surrounded by food the rest of your life and your defensiveness will never go away. Food because of having had food insecurity. Yeah. And, and food insecurity is the condition that, can create food defensiveness. Food insecurity is the reality that your food might disappear or it might be gone and you might never get any more. It's the it's the actual act of if it's and then gone food tomorrow. Defensiveness, and then food defensiveness is not being able to emotionally know that the food security has gone away. It yes. feels like it never left. Yes. So in this book, they have a really what feels to us like a very realistic portrayal of somebody who who is who hoards food insecure hoards food is food insecure is food defensive is and and specifically i'm also talking about sharing food with rue in the arena because katniss is so used to being food defensive for herself and her mom and her sister that instead of putting her own survival first in the arena, she gives up her food so that this child that reminds her of her sister might live for one more day. Yeah. And, and, and in this book, there are some very good descriptions of that feeling of, of that, that hunger that you know means that your body is shutting down. They have some very, very good descriptions of the actual impact of your vision feeling blurry and your your eyes swimming and your stomach feeling hollow and you feeling like you are are literally being eaten away from the inside and that the dizziness that can come with that and the shaking that comes on your hands when your body just doesn't have enough calories and they do a good job 
of describing this and they do a good job of not just oh katniss goes through the hunger games and is also dizzy like no it has real impact it's in everything she thinks about it's in everything she does everything she every plan she makes centers around when will i eat again yep Everything. every single one every step in her head is linked to her next meal because if it's not she'll, then she'll die, die. My only argument against this being food defensiveness is that she is still literally food insecure. Yes, that's, so that's true, it, but also... But she's doing the things that go along with that. Yes, so. and, and, and my argument for this being food defensiveness is that she is still this way, even when they're being given all of the rich capital foods. Oh, I was thinking of her in the arena. You're right. She I'm is thinking still of her in the whole book. The whole yeah, she's book. food defensive before in between leaving home and getting to the arena. Yep. She she stuffs her face with food that she knows might make her sick because it's too too rich, too fatty. That the first chance she is given on the train because what if they're being cruel what if there's no and more? they starve her for four days after this meal? Yeah. And, and to be fair, in this in this universe, in this book, that is a very real threat that they're mm-hmm. under. But also, like, this is the condition that she lives under. And, and it, it doesn't take away from the fact that everything she does, literally every move she makes, is aimed toward either conserving energy until she can find food, finding food, or keeping that food until her next meal. It is so much this practicality by necessity is pervasive. She is not the only one who's like this. She just is our point of view character. And, and, and it's, it's so realistic. And I'm using this word intentionally because this is descriptive and pervasive in a way that is incredibly, incredibly traumatic to read if you have any, any relation to this trauma. And we say this not hypothetically, this was a stressful book for both of us to read because of that. So this, no joke, slight bit of realism here, because it, I, 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 yeah. this is something that I, I feel like this is not a trauma that we just see treated with any kind of care in in media in general and so there's there are some traumas that you know you kind of see them and you realize how big a deal they are this is one that i just i just really feel like i need to to highlight because it's not one of those yep reading this first book meant that i did not eat for 24 hours because it stressed you out so much no because i was hungry and went down to my kitchen and said what if I accidentally ate the last five boxes of mac and cheese and all of my three oven pizzas and also ate all of my pasta and also ate all of the corn dogs in my freezer and also finished up all my fish sticks and my ravioli and starved tomorrow. And so I didn't eat. Yeah, that's what I meant by stressing you out. That is being stressed. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> but I, I just, I just, I feel like yeah. this... This is this is one of those things where if you don't have this and we'll we'll say this in our wrap up too I think but this if is one of those things if you don't have this problem these books are great if you have this problem just know that it is it is this bad because it is this well done and it will hurt 
And we're caught in a bind with describing it because either we miss impressing on people who don't have this how much, yes, this is the most traumatic thing in book one. Yes. Other stuff, other stuff goes to the forefront in books two and three. That's why we're talking about it in book one. But hands down, this is more traumatic and pervasive than the deaths as they are depicted in book one from our perspective. Yeah. And that you feel free to disagree with us. We're going to talk about death in later books because there's plenty of it. Yeah. But as soon as we read these, it was like, okay, we're talking about her mom's depression. We're talking about food (laughs) insecurity. What do you want for topic three? Just boom, boom. No question. Yeah. And I just, just that for these characters, the Hunger Games begins when they're born. Begins before they're born, if their parent can't get enough for them to be okay before then. Like, the Hunger Games don't end for these characters. It is not once a year. It is all the time. So that's, I hope, (laughs) I hope we have communicated that well. It is this topic stresses both of us out so this topic is the reason that i for those who didn't listen or even if you did this this topic is the reason i i said in in topic one that i am probably not going to read these books again yep because it it's it stops me from eating yeah time for the wrap-up and ratings for Katniss's mother. It is backstory and mild or moderate, would you say? Uh, this is hard. Because it's not it's Katniss's hard. perspective. There's no ideation. No, but also, like, Katniss is pretty rough on her mom. But at the no, same that's time, true. that's not really our topic. Yeah. Like, if we were if we were talking about the way that Katniss talks and thinks about her mom, I would that go would as be... far as moderate. Yeah. But Katniss kind of brushes over the actual trauma because that's not what's important to her. So maybe let's say the way the trauma gets dismissed is moderate to severe. The actual way it's depicted is mild. And that itself could be stressful. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Not as cl- I'm not as personally close to this topic, so I'm not sure, but that's just my sense of it there. I'm weirdly... I'm surprised this topic isn't harder for me. I think I identify yeah. with Katniss too much, and so it doesn't hit home. Yeah. That's that's rough. <laughs> yeah. All that's right. That's a whole other discussion that we didn't even touch on. All right. Uh, Katniss, Katniss and the fake relationship. Uh, it's this moderate I, to severe. I think this is severe. Okay. I think this is severe, especially with the almost survivor guilt mirroring that happens. Oh, yeah. Like, she, she, feels, to- she feels guilty that other people... that She feels guilty that she isn't what other people are forcing her to be in, yeah. in a variety of contexts. This is severe. Okay. Yep. I, I agree there. Um, the starvation and food insecurity, this severe. is severe. Um, I don't think the, I'm hesitant. 
I, I wouldn't call this torture porn because I don't no, think the point was for you to enjoy it, but it's terrible, which is kind of what that category is reserved for. Like no. that category is reserved are, for horror movie type are, things. This this book is is written to underscore how awful it is. It's not gratif it's not Yeah, there's there's no gratification to reading about this. Yeah. At at no point do you celebrate <laughs> Yeah. This thing. Yeah. Um why this trauma mom's depression is i i'd say it's interchangeable because there's so much stress and pressure that something else could have been i mean she could have gotten her skills somewhere some other reason yeah she her mom could i was more thinking that their life is so hard that especially when Katniss's name isn't the one drawn mm, you wouldn't even mm-hmm. need it to be that she was taking Tesserae to have her name in be a be in there a lot that's true yeah like there's just a lot of reasons this is interchangeable but I don't think it's irrelevant like it's definitely a thing that needs to be something needs to be there oh sure yeah more so in books two and three but yeah yeah um fake relationships this is integral it's integral. I think there are th- ways you could have tweaked it. We went on a hypothetical how Nicole wishes this had been handled. Yeah. But that would have been a wishes this had been done. No, it's not how I wish it would have been done. I just think it's interesting to look at. Yeah. Yeah, Nicole had her had Nicole had their little fanfic of swapping characteristics of, of Peta and Gail to no, make not it swapping not characteristics. Be toxic. Keep- Keep their characteristics. Story beats. Swapping just, story beats. Just swap swap character placement. Yeah. Um. Anyway, with that, it is. We're stalling. It is We're going to move on to the third one. But yeah, it's yep. integral. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about this. Talk about anything else. Um. Yeah. So fake relationship is integral, uh, woven throughout this entire book and through the entire trilogy. You could tweak minor details, but the shape of it is the foundation um, of, is one of, part of the foundation of this book. All right, now onto the actual foundation of this book. Starvation and food insecurity is integral to the plot. Um, Please take care of yourselves. This book is full of ideation about starving and food insecurity. It was triggering for both of us please please take care of yourselves don't read this just because it was super popular if that's going to be not okay for you um try not to harp on that it's just there's so much and you can't take it out of the plot because it is the mechanism on which the entire twisted architecture of the capital runs (sighs) making sure that everyone is not okay. All right. Now, for the trauma being treated with care, I think for the mom, yeah, it's hard to tell whether... I think it was treated with care, but not very much attention. Like, yeah, what what there was was treated... Like, it doesn't feel... It doesn't feel like handling this well was a focus. Mm -mm. No, but but also it wasn't on screen enough to be a problem yeah Yeah. 
the fake relationship is I don't think it's treated with care. No. <laughs> it's not at all. It's it's not it's it doesn't it doesn't have any messaging about Gail's reaction being not okay as a reaction. And part of part of our part of Every, our yeah, all three characters of are treated as though the way they're treating the other people is justified. And and one of the stances for this podcast is that characters don't do things to characters. Authors do things to characters. This yeah. author set these characters up to hurt each other and then never said and what these people are doing is not okay. Just just never never said it. Not in the particular way that we discussed that we think it, it needed anyway. This was it, not it was treated not, with care. It was not treated with care. But I, I would also like to point out that the premise of these books and the 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 things being highlighted in them and the dystopian way it's being set up. It would have been a little weird if they'd had a totally it, it healthy relationship it been that a, understood that <laughs> it platonic, a, sexual, and romantic axes are separate. That would have been a little weird. Even if, even if all that had happened was just a character acknowledged that this is toxic, it would have been a different book. So, not treated with care, but I think that was deliberate and, um. We will at least, I will at least grant the possibility that it was deliberate. I still don't like it. <laughs> you don't have to like it, but I think it yeah. was, I think it would have been a different book. If it had yeah. been treated differently. Uh, All right. Speaking of not treated Ugh. with care on purpose, starvation and food defensiveness. Yep. Food insecurity. Just absolutely not the treated place. with care. And also, we kind of talked about this in the actual discussion of the topic, but I feel like, I feel like the thing that this book tries to do is hammer home the point of how bad this thing, this trauma is. Yeah. And I think I think for people who have gone through it, it's awful to read. Yeah. But I think that for people who have not gone through it, I think I, don't it, know I think it... it does a good job of being not treated with care so that you realize how bad well, it is. <sighs> and I think I think it was not treated with care. I think it was not treated with care deliberately, and I also think that that was intentional and I think that that was intended to drive home that feeling to the people that have never experienced it listeners email us books that burn at yahoo.com <laughs> if you are if you have not been food insecure and these books made you feel differently about that as a thing yeah that, i, I yeah. really want to know because yeah, it, i can't same. i can't step out of myself and say oh this would have made me appreciate this as being terrible I think it probably would have made you think, oh, the capital is bad. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. I, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm really interested. Please tell us. I, I would like to allow for the possibility that that was the goal. But also Robin is right. I can't step outside of this topic enough to. I, I'm, yeah. I'm conjecturing because I can't separate myself from this topic. Yeah, we're going to. <laughs> we're doing this one because a lot of people when we described the podcast said oh you mean like the hunger games and we were like okay that's gonna be stressful but we can do it and we're doing it and it's perfect for the podcast everyone who asked is right but it's very stressful for the two of us so 
going to stay away from starvation-focused books for a while. All right, moving on to the point of view, it's Katniss. (laughs) And point of view for the next one is Katniss. And point of view for the next one is Katniss. Katniss. And point of view for the next one. (laughs) Yeah, Katniss is just, she's the only voice we hear. She's the only perspective we find for anything ever. Isn't there like one chapter in, in a later book where it's somebody else? That's something else I was reading. Never mind. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. We just get Katniss. Yep. And sometimes we oh, get Katniss, Katniss who hears about other things later. And sometimes we just get Katniss. And we get a lot of Katniss not noticing things. But we also just get Katniss. And we only get Katniss. And <laughs> it's just all Katniss. <laughs> Katniss all uh, the way down. <laughs> so how that matters is that not very much attention is paid by Katniss to what <laughs> her mother's trauma would have done to her mother the because the point of view is katniss for the point of view of the trauma we don't have her mom's point of view then for the fake relationship we only get katniss's side of this toxic dynamic right and then for the starvation we we just get katniss we just get katniss um I was just saying that I, I think it matters. It it affects it the most with the mom, because as we discussed, it would have been a very different book if more attention had been paid to that. Yeah. Could be an interesting novella, as we hypothesized. I, I would love to read that short story. Yep. All right. Aspiring writer tip. You're usually the one who has this. I am. Yeah, this... <sighs> Sorry, everyone. This one this is one, really hard, guys. <laughs> this one, Th- this, this one, one's really hard. Burned us out for reading a this, minute. Reading this book, just li- literally all all I can think about is the food that I do and don't have in your house. Yeah, in, the ha- in my house, and the the money that I do and don't have for food, and the I I mean. I had I had initially planned to get up and eat today before recording and that didn't happen and so like I'm hungry right now and all I could think is that I shouldn't eat because <laughs> I don't have unlimited food like I don't even know for this aspiring writer tip All right um aspiring writer tip Maybe don't be so good at ideations <laughs> oh, I don't know No, no that's like not okay fair. It's, no that doesn't fair. work that doesn't so, work it, you so this has a well done realistic pervasive ideation and my concern is that maybe it doesn't hit a balance of i think it maybe hits too hard on stressing out people who have this without explaining it to those who don't oh okay and i yeah. don't know how to fix that but i I but it's genuinely, just, it's a thing. yeah. I don't feel like this book would make someone appreciate how stressful and all pervasive that is. I think it's going to feel a little bit more like, why is she talking about food so much? <laughs> Write us, let us know, let us know if there's a book that you think did this well. I'd be interested in reading it and then letting Nicole whether know whether or not I think they'd be okay to read it. Um, yeah. Uh, moving on to favorite non-traumatic thing about the book. I 
like Hamish. I, I I like Hamish. I don't think he's a good person. I think he is a very smart person in the context of this world. Admittedly, a lot of how I like him is from stuff that doesn't unfold until books two and three, but the seeds of it are there in book one, and I want to mention it now. Hang in there if you're just on book one and you hate Hamish. Hamish is he's cool. going to be he's going to become more him. I can't speak to you for you as to whether you would like that or not. I enjoyed it. Did you have one? I like the initial pre-game dynamic between Katniss and Gale. Yeah, that's good. Um, it's just it's not a hundred percent healthy, but. I don't know. Again, I like their world is so messed up. It would be surprising if they were 100% healthy. Yeah, nothing in this book is 100% healthy. But they're, yeah, I agree. I like their initial dynamic. All right. Uh, That is it, everyone. Um, Thank you so much for joining us. Bye. All music used in this podcast was created by Nicole as Heartbeat Art Co. and is used with permission. You can follow us on Twitter at Books That Burn, all one word. You can email us with questions, comments, or book recommendations at bookstheburn at yahoo.com. Support us on patreon.com slash books that burn. All patrons get access to our upcoming book list and receive a one-time shout out. You can leave us an iTunes review. This helps people to find the show. And find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks.